0: So for those of you joining, let me do a short recap of where I left off on the first episode. My mother has come to live with me. She was in Florida living with my father and my dad passed away. She didn't have enough money to live on her own. And I was the eldest in a family of three siblings, most able to care for her financially. So when she did get up here, I did take time to look around at some services that may be offered to her. But the trouble I ran into was because she was living with me, even though she only had her Social Security, no pension benefits, no life insurance policy basically know nothing, okay? She didn't qualify for services. And I failed to wrap my head around that. And I began to wonder how many of our elderly people that are in their 80s and their 90s that don't have children To fall back on it, it's just amazing. Are they just left to the device of the state? And the state makes a choice as to whether you receive benefits or not. And the other oxymoron about the whole thing is that even though I was suffering from caregiver burnout, big time, um, all I got was lip service. Well, you know, your mom's living with you and we'll come in and we'll assess your home and, you know, we'll put in this and we'll put in that. But she really doesn't qualify for anything. So, you know, when something awful happens, you know, give us a call and we'll think about it. That happened when she, before the last hospitalization, where she lost it with the Lewy body dementia, it was a lot of hallucinations. I was at my wit's end at that point because I was exhausted just working and taking care of the house and taking care of her, watching her, you know, as she deteriorated, not knowing what to do or where to go. I was pretty lucky because the family doctor that we found authorized the uh, emergency visit to the hospital and by the time that i did get to the hospital they had they knew the statistics they knew where my mother was mentally cognitively um so that was kind of easy what was hard was she went in non-ambulatory not really here in the present And they worked with her for all but a week. Every doctor under the sun came in to visit her. They fooled around with her medication. And they said, oh, okay, she's good to go now. She can go home. Really? She can just come home, not suffer any setbacks, and all is well and good with the hallucinations. I actually had to fight to get her into a rehabilitative nursing home so that she could get the strength back in her legs because she was non-ambulatory, could barely walk, could barely get herself out of a chair. Now mind you that this didn't need to happen. My mother had every opportunity to exercise, to go for walks, but chose not to. Instead her favorite pastime was playing on the computer and watching TV and then going to bed and waking up the next day and doing it all over again. <clears throat> I didn't know really what to do. And I think maybe a lot of us baby boomers are in that situation where we have multi generational households now. Our children come back to live with us because they've gone through college and They've got a ton of debt that is owed for their college education. Then we have our moms and our dads living with us, or a mom and a dad living with us, and all of a sudden your home isn't your home anymore. It's everybody else's home, and it's not yours, and you're just one of those persons that are floating around trying to figure out what in the heck happened here. I make good money. I work for my, you know, for a living, I save my money, I educate myself. What is wrong with our parents? What happened? And the basic thing that I think that happens even with baby boomers nowadays is that they do not offer financial education, and we need financial education, how to balance your checkbook, how to budget, um, how to save your money, how not to be in debt. We all live in debt. And I don't think any of us are ever really free of debt even though some of us really strive to be free of debt. That is an insurmountable task for most of us because we live pay-to-pay, And then when you have somebody else move in with you All of a sudden you've got the extra food You've got the extra electricity You've got the extra gas You've got the extra mileage on your car You've got the extra wear and tear on your car It's a difficult position to be in So my mother spent a month and a half in rehab And they really did a good job with her she gained back the strength in her legs. She was able to bike for 30 minutes. She was feeling good. The hallucinations were gone. But I didn't want her to come back home because I knew that as soon as she hit the door, she would fall back into the same old routine. She wouldn't want to eat. She didn't want to cook for herself, which meant that I had to cook for her and I, then I had to cook for my son, who also lives here who has lived with me for the past 15 years because he is disabled. And that's okay, I I grew used to taking care of my son because now that he's pretty much 90%, he in turn takes care of all the household chores which helps me a lot. That I didn't mind. I also knew that she would lose any gain of muscle building that happened in the nursing home, she would lose it as soon as she got home because she didn't care to walk around. She just really didn't want to participate in life at all. So being at my wits end and being out of people to call for help and the doctor couldn't help, I had this idea that, okay, I can get mom Benefits after doing some research from my dad's pension although it wouldn't be as much as my mother's pension it was still something and I could afford to put her in assisted living facility here in Michigan and we found a really nice assisted living facility the director came to visit my mother when she was in the nursing home so we both, we went out to see it and It looked nice. The one thing we didn't notice was that in the main building was where all the hot food was kept. They had three other buildings, and what they would do is they would bring over the food from the main building to the other buildings, and the food really wasn't wasn't a sit-down type of, okay, I'm going to order like I'm in a restaurant type of building, which is something she was used to in Florida. It was like being on a big cruise ship only you were on land in this wonderful building that had all these facilities that you could use none of which my mother or father ever decided to do but that's another story so here we are i decide that okay i have to do this mom i'm sorry but i need my space i need my sanity i'm really really tired and I'm neglecting my son, who happens to be helping me out with my mother. And what I used to do before she was here, I would make sure that he would be able to socialize. We would go out and we would bowl. We would go to the movies. We would go out to dinner. We, I made sure that we... He and I socialized. That was gone. So I felt that putting her in an assisted living facility would be a good way for her to meet people and probably, maybe, join a card club. That was my dream. Apparently, it wasn't hers because two weeks After I spent money moving her to the facility, she had another breakdown. And I found her curled up in her room in the fetal position. I didn't know what to do other than call the doctor and try to get her to walk down to my car so I could take her to the hospital. Well, that proved difficult because she almost collapsed as we were walking down, so we sat her in a chair, and we called the ambulance, and the ambulance came. The ambulance took her to the hospital. While she was in the hospital, she made a decision. She said she didn't want to go on anymore. She wanted to be with my father. I didn't know if this was part of the Lewy body dementia or if she was really serious because the only way that you can quit is to almost commit suicide. You commit suicide by not eating and not taking your meds. And so I was kind of taken aback thinking, well, you know, mom, what is this all about? Well, I'm sick of everybody telling me what to do I'm sick of being in pain all the time. I don't want to take my meds. She had a litany of excuses, the last of which was, I want to be with Dad, which basically take everything else out of the equation, and I think that the biggest thing for her was to be with my dad. She wasn't afraid to die, which kind of threw me off a little bit, we don't often think of death when we're a baby boomer. Maybe you, some of us do. I prepare for it. There's certain things that you can do, like you can create a trust, um, you have a will, you um, take care of your funeral expenses, and you get yourself whatever, however, you want to go out, you know, be buried. Take that responsibility off of your children because trust me, they don't want it. It's just easier if you make all the plans beforehand. Luckily, when my mother did first come up, we did exactly do that. We both went to the funeral home, and we both made arrangements for ourselves if something should happen. And I'm so glad that she did that. Um, Because of the fact that my father was a veteran, I was able to have my father and my mother interned together at the VA cemetery here in Michigan. And I was also able to have a military service for my father, which I really wanted to do, but couldn't because he had passed away so quickly in Florida. All we had a chance to do was basically cremate him and have no service because we needed to get mom back up here because I needed to get to work. So here we are in the hospital. She decides, I'm coming home. I said, you're not coming back here, Mom. You're going to have to go back to the assisted living facility. You know, I spent a ton of money bringing her up from Florida. I spent a ton of money back and forth to the doctors, buying her stuff that she needed. And then I spent a ton of money moving her into the ALF, and I sure as heck wasn't going to spend a ton of money bringing her back into the home. And I didn't really want her dying in my home. That's just something that kind of like weirded me out. So I talked to the doctor. The doctor went in and saw my mother. And then uh, she said, sure, I'll send you home. Well, unbeknownst to the doctor, the doctor really didn't think that my mother would decline so quickly and die so quickly, because as the doctor told me after my mother's death, there was nothing basically wrong with her physically. She could have probably lived another four or five years. So we got a hold of hospice. Hospice was wonderful. Now, depending on where you live, and your circumstances make sure that you really really check out which hospice service you're going to get because not all are equal the first service we got was this cranky old nurse that came in that told my mother what she should be taking and you know they didn't get it they didn't get the fact that my mom was checking out she was done with it she didn't want to hear anything so I could tell that she wasn't really listening because she had this little thing she would do. She would purse her lips, and you were not going to budge her once those lips pursed. And I knew that they lost her. She wasn't listening to them. She was in her own mind saying, heck with this stuff. So after that terrible experience, we, the assisted living facility... Uh, helped us get another hospice program. And they're the ones that we stayed with. And for two weeks, we worked very closely with hospice to make sure that my mother's transition went smoothly and without pain. I think my sister and I were in more pain than my mother ever would have been. It was very, very difficult to watch this whole process play out and I'm going to stop there and I will pick this up in episode number three.